0: Welcome to the Root & Remedy podcast, where we discuss all things women's health, hormones, fertility, and body confidence. I'm your host, Vanessa, a woman's health and fertility nutritionist and the co-founder of Root & Remedy Wellness. You can find our courses, free community group, and all other resources at rootandremedywellness.com. Okay, part three. I'm on the edge of my goddamn seat. So we're going to talk about the two cases
1: that led to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yes, exactly. Take it away. So we're almost up to the present. We're almost up to 2023. In 2021, Texas passed a law called SB 8, Senate Bill 8. This was blatantly unconstitutional. This law bans abortion after six weeks, Yeah. (laughs) You don't even know you're pregnant at six weeks. Exactly. What so many people said in response. Mm Convenience. It's basically a vigilante law. It emboldens private citizens to sue anyone who performs an abortion or even helps an abortion take place. This could mean anyone. An individual could sue the receptionist at the abortion clinic. They could sue the friend or partner who pays for the procedure. They could even hypothetically sue the Uber driver who drives you to the clinic. Anyone who knows or should know that they're helping someone obtain an illegal abortion.
0: It's like your party to a crime. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: It's really broad. It's really vague. And again, it allows private citizens to sue people for I think the amount was up to $10,000. So you're really emboldened to basically rat people out. And that's the way they created this law. So now this creates a loophole because when you're challenging a law's constitutionality, typically it's the person whose rights are violated who sues the state official who enforces the law. So think back to Roe v. Wade. It was Jane Roe who was suing Henry Wade. Henry Wade was the district attorney who was enforcing the Texas law at the time. But here, it's not state officials who enforce the law, it's private citizens. And so it's designed to create legislative confusion. Now, an abortion provider in Texas took this to the Supreme Court and said implementation of this law should be halted. We have to stop until you, the Supreme Court, take a look at the merits of the law, figure out if this is even legal. It sounds unconstitutional to us. You know, as we said before, it was a little bit complicated, but technically speaking, states cannot create laws pre-viability to ban abortions or to limit abortions unless, if they create an undue burden. Many people were saying, this is an undue burden. This is six weeks. So let's bring it to the Supreme Court. Let's have them stop it. We'll at least look at the merits of the law and then, and then decide what happens. The Supreme Court refused to act and they let the law take effect. They said, we actually can't intervene because this isn't a constitutional issue because, as I just mentioned, it's not a state official who's enforcing the law, it's people, and so we have no say in what people do, so we're not gonna, we're not gonna touch it. And so the law took effect. This law, SB 8, violates Roe and Casey but it creates enough mess that the Supreme Court had plausible deniability. They could say, you know, our hands are tied, we can't act here. What it did was signal to the rest of the country that this Supreme Court might be willing to overturn Roe. And so, a little bit of detail here, what does it mean to overturn a law? It basically means that they're rejecting that previous decision, creating a new one, and the old decision would no longer be in effect. This is what happened in 2022. But this law, SB 8, really set the scene because the Supreme Court had a chance to act. It had a, it was kind of showing its cards at this point. And people saw, oh, they're not stopping it. They might be partial to changing Roe. So now in 2018, Jackson Women's Health Organization, the only clinic and abortion facility in Mississippi challenged the constitutionality of a Mississippi law called the Gestational Age Act in federal court, which bans abortions after 15 weeks. So before, just now we were talking about Texas, a Texas abortion ban that started at six weeks, now we're talking about Mississippi. So these are state, different state laws that are happening, but they're being brought up to the federal court. That's how it gets brought up to the Supreme Court. So now this case was in front of the current Supreme Court, And the question was, should there be a constitutional protection for abortion before viability? This matter was already settled. We talked about it in Roe. We talked about it again in Casey. And the court said, yes, there is a constitutionally protected right. But again, this is a new case. The same issue is being brought up to the Supreme Court again. And now they have a chance to change their mind. And this time, the Supreme Court said, no, there isn't a constitutional right. This was a majority decision, so you asked before, does it have to be unanimous? No, it doesn't. It just has to be a majority. There's always an uneven number of members on the court, so that there will always be a minority and a majority, or sometimes decisions are unanimous, sometimes not. Justice Alito was the judge who wrote for the majority, so he is the one who wrote this judicial decision, and he said, quote, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled, the Constitution makes no reference to abortion and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional protection, including the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. That provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition. So again, going back to what we said in part one of this series, The narrative, even that he's talking about here, is there is no deeply rooted tradition of abortion legalization. And as a result, we don't think there should be a constitutional right. So Roe v. Wade is off the table. This is the new decision in its place.
0: And what he's saying, too, is we're just putting things back to the way they were. Mm -hmm. Even though when we actually look at what was happening and how you have explained it, not really, right? Like, again, it's all so much more recent than you would think it
1: is. Exactly. Which is
0: frustrating, though, and very confusing because I would hear this as an average person knowing nothing about the history of abortion. Why would I ever know anything? Right. And be like, oh, true. I guess this was more of just like a recent progressive decision. Makes sense that I he's saying we're just putting things back to the way they were. I mean, I don't support it. Yeah, of course. But to me, I'm like,
1: Okay, uh, I hate this, but fine. You start to sort of rationalize yeah. the decision, potentially, yeah. And that's why most of these conversations are talking about the 1970s to today. We're taught, we're looking so narrowly at contemporary, today, and like 50 years ago, and that's it. Yeah. But when we l- take a further step back we see that it was only really criminalized for just over a hundred years but way before that when we're talking about actually the history of the country what was accepted abortion was accepted Mm -hmm. the idea that women could decide how to space out their births was commonplace right and so i'm really hoping to sort of like chip away at even what he is saying because it's just not it doesn't capture the full picture right Now this is a huge, huge monumental decision. A lot of people I've seen argue like, well, it's not that bad. It's not technically criminalizing abortion. What it's doing is giving the power back to the states. That's true. It is effectively criminalizing abortion though. Not everywhere. Some states have protective abortion laws, but it's hard to overstate that this was the first time in history that the Supreme Court has taken away a fundamental right. Mm. Abortion is what's referred to as an unenumerated right. It's not written in the Constitution. In the 1780s, they weren't like, ye shall have a right to abortion. But we understand that there's a right to abortion through the right to privacy. The right to privacy is in the Constitution. There are many other constitutional rights that we have today that have the same origins that became fundamental rights through this process that themselves are unenumerated rights. For example, the right to marriage equality for same-sex couples, the right to interracial marriage, the right to contraception, the right to same-sex intimacy. These are all under the umbrella of privacy and or liberty rights. So they're all challenged and endangered. Not yet. But they could be. But the idea is what if? Mm -hmm. Because there was no precedent to this type of revoking of a fundamental right now it's been done for abortion the idea is you know there's a case i believe on the docket for i think next year of the supreme court about contraception they're now putting in place this idea that we can revoke rights and so the concern is can the court take away our other established rights as well so there's this kind of like broad umbrella concern and how far will that go and how far will that go and it Again, I mean, I, I can't really overstate this enough, how powerful the Supreme Court is. And we are talking about the states, but this is the biggest and most influential court in the free world. Right. Like this is has huge global implications. And also when we think about it on the global stage, The U.S. is a leader. Often other countries follow suit, or at least there are movements that are then triggered by the U.S. So we're talking about the U.S., but we're also talking about the world. Yeah, they're not
0: operating in a vacuum.
1: Exactly. And they're
0: incredibly influential. So
1: powerful, so influential. And the Supreme Court just has an immense amount of power. Mm -hmm. And so this decision is a really big deal. Other issues. There were 13 states that had trigger bans. These are unenforceable laws that were passed after Roe that are designed to be triggered if and when Roe is overturned. So states basically passed these laws. They knew they violate Roe. We can't do anything about them now. But as soon as Roe is overturned, we can pass them into law. The laws were basically waiting in the wings. Several of them were automatically passed when Roe was overturned. Some were passed within a few weeks. It was very quick. Now, nearly two dozen US states have banned or limited access to abortion in the last year. This has some extreme consequences. States where abortion is most limited have the highest rates of maternal and infant mortality. Maternal death is 62% higher in abortion restriction states. Dobbs, which is the case we were just referring to, people will talk about overturning, this is a little side note, mm-hmm. people will talk about overturning Roe, they'll also, you'll hear the Dobbs decision, you'll hear Dobbs, that's the name of the case, overturning Roe is what it did. So it's the right. same thing. People use that kind of interchangeably, but when they're talking about Dobbs, they're talking about Roe being overturned. So that was the effect of Dobbs. Dobbs has created what's referred to as maternity care deserts. These are areas where there are little to no access to maternity health care services, including OBGYNs, obstetric care centers, and certified midwives. Across the country, in red states like Texas, Oklahoma, and Tennessee, obstetricians, including highly skilled doctors who specialize in handling complex and risky pregnancies, are leaving their practices because they're concerned about, like we talked about at the top of episode one, what they can and cannot do when they are and are not liable. And this is so, so problematic because doctors are now forced to become interpreters and enforcers of law in a way that they're never supposed to be. They're not law enforcement agents. They are administering medical care. Dobbs has created a lot of confusion because termination, abortion is sometimes the only remedy to a host of issues, ectopic pregnancies, miscarriage care. These are all important parts of these various processes. Sometimes the fetus is not viable and the continued gestation of the fetus is dangerous to the mother, but the doctor's hands are tied and often they have to wait until the pregnant person's life is in danger in order to act. So the most important takeaway here, if you take away anything from this whole series of episodes, is that abortions are not just elective procedures used to terminate unwanted pregnancies. They are value-neutral medical procedures that are sometimes the only solution to a dangerous health problem. And in these circumstances, it's not that the patient wants to end the pregnancy, although sometimes that happens. Sometimes they very much want to carry the pregnancy to term, but they can't. And so they need this as a medical procedure to rectify that problem. Now, it's so wild. And again, I mean, at so many phases throughout these different episodes that we've done, I almost feel like I'm recounting some sort of like, like it's a handmaid's tale or it's like a dystopian, like I'm projecting into the future. Can you imagine if this were to happen? Yeah. But this is right now and this is actually happening. Abortion bans are also impacting women's general health care, not their reproductive health care, but their general health. There have been reports of clinicians and pharmacists denying women access to medications like methotrexate and misoprostol, which are necessary to manage chronic conditions like autoimmune diseases or gastric ulcers, because these drugs are also used in medication abortions.
0: So do you have to be on birth control if you're going to take it? You know how you have to be on birth control to take Accutane? Mm-hmm. Do, are they doing that with, like, a lot of other things? First of all, just, like... If you can't see me, we're like raising an eyebrow, <laughs> being like, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, well, you could possibly be pregnant because you're in your fertile years.
1: So what exactly. if I'm like, I'm celibate? They're like, nope, too bad. You are in your fertile years. I don't believe you. It basically calls into question the health care of all women or female presenting people of reproductive age, which also, what does that mean? I read a report of, I think she was 14, and her mom went to go fulfill her prescription for her. She had, I think she had rheumatoid arthritis, it was very painful, and she required a certain medication. This is a 14-year-old girl. The pharmacist wouldn't give it to her, wouldn't give it to her mom to give to her, because in large quantities, it can be used as an abortifacient. And so this mom was saying, this is my child, she's not sexually active, she's a child and I'm trying to manage her arthritis. Exactly. And they said it doesn't matter. And so that's really the problem here is that your question was a good one. Like, do they require birth control? Blah, blah. We don't know. So it's causing so much confusion. And when the risk is losing your practice, being fined, going to jail, mm-hmm. doctors are saying, they're either saying, I'm just not going to touch it or I'm, I'm gonna leave this jurisdiction. Yeah. I'm gonna set up my they practice. Didn't sign up for that. No, I'm gonna set up my practice in a state that doesn't have strict abortion bans, which as I mentioned, is causing these maternal care deserts. And that's why this is happening. So it's we have to think about abortion bans not just as impacting abortion care and the termination of a pregnancy, but health care in general. That's why people talk about a war on women, mm-hmm. because it's affecting every level of our health care provision in a way that's really scary. So where do we go from here? What is happening? This is what's happening now in 2023. Disputes will largely revolve around prescription drugs moving forward. More than half of legal abortions are medication abortions. They're basically a combination of mifepristone and misoprostol, which can be taken up until the tenth week of pregnancy, roughly. Now, what's interesting is this is a direct result of the pandemic. So many of these restrictions that I talked about last episode were put in place to create more barriers, really, but ostensibly in an effort to make abortion care more safe. So ambulatory surgical centers, they have to have admitting privileges. you need to have you need to go to the doctor, you need an ultrasound, blah blah blah. Over the pandemic, this was wasn't possible. Right. And so a lot of abortion care shifted to more of a telehealth model. And people were, more people were taking medication abortion that would have gone in to have to see a doctor and maybe either have a surgical procedure or take the abortion pill with a doctor there in a clinical setting. Now this wasn't happening and they were doing it at home. And the results were that this was just as safe and just as effective.
0: Interesting. which okay. is fascinating
1: because our context changed. We weren't able to do things in person. And so we had to shift the model. And what they found is that after shifting the model, everything was okay. We're still doing good. We're still doing well. Mm-hmm. And we don't need all those restrictions. So it's an interesting forced experiment, really.
0: Are they doing anything with that? Like, are we, is it like, oh, good
1: news? Yes and no. So on the... Sort of downside, I'm going to start with the downside and try to end with the upside. On the downside, now the abortion debate is shifting to talk about the regulation of abortion medication. So, with the Dobbs decision, overturning Roe, they were talking about all of abortions. Now, there are court cases that are trying to overturn the FDA's approval of misoprostol, or sorry, with So, you can't even do a medical abortion? You can still now. But I
0: mean like they're trying to make it so you can't, you can only do surgical?
1: They're Well, they're trying to make it so you can't do either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've already really limited where and how you can get an abortion. Right. The newest frontier is medication abortion. So now they're saying mifepristone isn't safe, which as we talked about, it's as safe as Tylenol. It's a safe, as, if you're going to use Viagra, someone else can use mifepristone. Yeah, for real. <laughs> These are safe and- That scares me a lot. Like, that's really scary. Definitely. And the FDA approved mifepristone in 2000. So this isn't a recent decision. But now court cases are saying you were wrong in 2000. This is actually unsafe. So this is kind of the new territory of the abortion debate. Because not not, not that the other matter is settled, but we're kind of moving on. The upside, though, is that it's much harder to regulate abortion now than it was in the 1970s because so many abortions are happening through pills, and pills can be mailed. So even when it's illegal in states, there are some European companies that will ship medication abortions to areas where it's banned in the U.S.
0: Yes, thank you. Yeah, I'll
1: (laughs) include some resources in the show notes. Right. But it's interesting because as we've seen over the course of these episodes, and I said before, too, it's iterative. Things change. The, the abortion debate and the controversy sort of changes face. It moves along with every new social situation. And so now we're in a place where today in 2023, we're talking a lot about medication abortion. We're thinking about, is this going to be regulated? How are ways that we can get around those regulations. And we know now because of this data we've been able to accumulate over the course of the pandemic that it is in fact quite safe. And so people have more comfort in okay, maybe I can't go to this clinic because there's only one clinic in my state and it's so hard to get a you know an appointment, but maybe there are other ways. Maybe I feel a little bit more confident taking the pill and I can get it from XYZ source. Mm-hmm. Is this a dream world? No. We would love to be able to just go and get it safely and not have to have all of these hoops. But I think there is promise in the story because there's a little bit more flexibility in terms of how you can maybe get an abortion today in a way that you couldn't in the 70s. Because again, technology sometimes pushes us back, sometimes it propels us way forward. And so I think this is one of these cases. And that's really where we are today. Can I ask you a personal question or like an opinion? Yeah. Do you think that it's going to get
0: worse before it gets better, the criminalization of abortion? And obviously we're talking about the states, but also Mm -hmm. project that to other countries. Canada, obviously, right now, thankfully, knock on wood, you can get an abortion. It's also a majority, if not all of it, is funded for you if you have a health card. Um, Not everywhere, obviously, but in... It's supposed least, to be. Yeah. And on, I think in a lot of clinics, at least in Ontario, we're in Toronto, there is like a fee you have to pay for some, but some are completely, I guess, complimentary. I don't really know what word to, to use to describe that, but yeah, covered. I know that's going to change. Yeah. It's covered. So do you think that, especially, oh God, the contraception next year, that's really scary. We're going to have to record when that chick goes through yeah. and what's going on there. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's going to get worse before it gets better?
1: It's a good question. I would love to say no. My gut is that yes. But having said that, the pendulum always swings back. So we're in an era, particularly in the US right now, of division and polarity and really extreme, particularly extreme right-wing views. And I think... What's so scary, I talked about the power of the Supreme Court a little while ago. The Supreme Court right now is a conservative court. So any cases that are going to come up in the next potentially decades will be along the same vein as the Dobbs decision. Politically, they lean towards the right. They're conservative. Is it going to get worse? Maybe because the Supreme Court isn't really going to change anytime soon. And that is the most powerful court in the States, as I've said. At the same time, I think there's reason to have hope. I think there's so much activism happening right now, particularly, I mean, we always kind of, I feel like every generation teases the younger generation that comes after us, but one great thing I'll say about Gen Zs is they're so politically active, very, I'm trying to think of a word for public facing, like very open and willing to discuss these topics. And to use their social media platforms. And I think that's also a double-edged sword. But I think there is more space today to have these types of conversations. And people are more willing to fight back. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say exactly what's going to happen. One thing as Canadians that I think we should really be concerned about is taking a critical perspective on what's happening in the US on abortion, but also thinking about the ways in which this does impact us, because you're right that abortion is not criminalized here. It's also true that the vast majority of abortion clinics are within 150 kilometers of the southern border, meaning most are in the most densely populated urban areas. So if you're living in rural communities, if you're living I, in Northern I, communities, I didn't think about that. your access to abortion is much less, much, much less. So again, we think about legality versus access. There are also certain provinces that don't provide free abortions and it should be you're mandated by law. It, it has to be under the, I think it's the Canada health act. Abortions are covered. It's a covered medical procedure and I'm blanking on the specific province now that was brought up on not formal charges, but there was a controversy about it. Because they were charging? Because the, Yeah, because mm. they weren't providing uh, free abortion services. Oh so again, we have to think about these ways that like, on the books, things look good, but in practice, they're not happening. Right. And so, or or there are obstacles in place and it's harder for people to get. And so, yeah, I think like, my gut tells me that things might get a little bit worse. Things are not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to even imagine things getting worse, right? And we can do another episode maybe on the maternal mortality crisis in the States. Again, this, like these are very serious topics. They're really disparaging, but I think it's so important to learn about them because only when we're armed with the information can we do something about it. Mm-hmm. Can we be willing to combat some of these laws, even if it's just in conversations that we're having with one another. If you have a social media platform and you know a little bit more about what you're talking about, it's okay to use that, right? And so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see how it will play out, but I do have hope for us. Mm -hmm. But again, I mean, there are so many issues. I mean, this isn't a political podcast, but it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens in the US on a number of different topics. Abortion is just one of them. And I worry about in the U.S. and in Canada, us moving slowly towards, not, not actually that slow, kind of quickly yeah. towards a more conservative place and what that means for us. Right. But we will definitely keep an eye on it and we'll keep sharing resources and try to empower people to do what they can. Yeah, We'll have you on every time. Anytime I'm like Olivia, <laughs>
0: help me understand this, I don't know what's going on.
1: She's yeah. like, All right, everyone, we're gonna break this down. One day I would love to talk about something like light and fun, but <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: we'll do that too. Yeah, we'll do that too. okay, good. But it's also it's so good to get angry about something mm-hmm. and like to feel passionate and fired up and pissed because that's the only time you're gonna stand up against something that you don't believe in or that you are mad about right because before even when we sat down in the park last year and i was like i feel like an idiot i don't know what's going on with roe v wade after that conversation i was like i am fired up and ready i I understand what i believe i understand how i feel about an issue i understand what's going on and you're so right we won't stand up unless we're armed with information or else we're like i don't really know what i'm talking about so i don't really know which side to go on and at the very least we feel neutral or we just feel sad, but we don't really know that we can stand up for ourselves. So, I do hope, at the very least, even if we if things get worse, there's more of us standing up against it, being like, "No, we're not taking this lying down." Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we're not going to eat shit with a spoon. We're just not. <laughs> so, right. it just even if it does get worse, I do feel like there's more of us that are, especially with the younger generations, which make me so happy that are not going to stand for it. Exactly. Right? And at the very least, there's a silver
1: lining in there somewhere, so we can all just band together. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we want to educate and talk about these issues and really break down, like, what is happening? And what's it all about? And how should we feel about it? And how do you feel about it? And people can make up their own minds. I mean, I think... I think you and I have a very similar perspective on abortion, which is that, at least I'll speak for myself and you can tell me if you disagree. And I'm just... I can I can already foresee some people not liking this, but this is my personal opinion. I think that everyone has the right to what they believe, as long as it's not harming anyone else. If you don't want to get an abortion, if you don't believe in abortions, that's fine. Don't get one. I would never force someone to get an abortion in the same way that I expect not to be forced into motherhood. So it's all about where does the state come into play? For me, Women and menstruators should be able to make their own decisions about their own bodies. That's what I believe. If it doesn't work for you, that's great. Don't do it. But your beliefs have nothing to do with me.
0: Right. My child doesn't impact you. Totally. No, I, I can. I completely... Me I, being pregnant or not has nothing to do with your body. <laughs> exactly. And I love the way you said that, that I would never force someone to get an abortion. You wouldn't force that upon me. Yeah. Same as I shouldn't be thrusting you into motherhood before. Like, I just don't understand why we're so obsessed with other, what other people are doing with their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Like, relax, leave me alone. No, I, 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 we have the exact same stance. I think it should be 100% your choice. 1,000%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And accessible.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I hope now after this conversation, we can understand a little bit better to the way in which abortion care also impacts reproductive health care and just regular health care. And that's really important because I think we think about abortion happening in a vacuum and abortion bans as being something that are just impacting the termination of a pregnancy, the intentional termination of a pregnancy. That's not the case. And it's creating places in the States where people don't have access to doctors. They can't see OBGYNs, things that... Like can we not just agree that we all need healthcare? <laughs> that healthcare is good. <laughs> but no, like we're in a we're in a place right now where we don't. And so again, it's important to have these conversations, but hopefully now there's a little bit more information about why we should care about abortions. Why not just women should care about abortions? Why everyone should surely you have a mother or a sister or a friend or a partner or someone that this could access their health. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is really an issue for everyone to care about. That's why I love when we talk about feminism and men being feminists and men being pro-choice. And that's also really important too. Like, We're not just speaking to the women that are out there and the people that have wombs. We're Mm -hmm. talking to everyone. Because this is really like a I mean, not to overstate it, but I think this is like a humanity issue. 100%. Right?
0: 100%. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to mention with regards to what the world is looking like today? Any questions Someone you want someone to ask themselves? Anything that you want to leave the listener with to maybe have them ponder and think about, how do I feel about this? Is there anything I'm going to do about it? Any
1: questions even someone could journal on or just think about mm-hmm. that you would recommend? Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, I hope that this encourages people to figure out, A, first and foremost, what's happening where you live? What type of access do you have? If you're listening and you're in the States right now, what's going on in your state? If you're in Canada and you're listening somewhere in Northern Canada, do you have access to abortion? Like even just kind of situating ourselves, thinking about ourselves as part of the story. Whether or not you intend to get an abortion, whether or not you see this as something you might do in your life, kind of putting yourself into that story and thinking about how does this impact me? How does this impact my friends, my family members? How do I make this personal? I think is a good place to start. I'd also just really encourage people to do a little bit more digging. One thing I talk about a lot, and you and I have conversations all the time, and even on the podcast we talk about this, but I'm very interested in sort of like disrupting the current narratives, thinking a little bit more critically. Maybe even one thing I can leave people with is like, the next time you are on TikTok and you get some type of abortion related content, whether it's either feeding into your current ideas of what the procedure is, or if it's not, I want you to think a little bit more deeply about what they're telling you. Try to question that a little bit. Think maybe about, you know, how do you think about pregnancy? We'll take it outside of abortion. What's really happening here? Come up with a sort of idea for yourself about is the mother and the fetus, you know, one person? Are they separate? How do I believe that? Where do those beliefs come from? Like, I think maybe that's uh, a good sort of secondary question. Whenever you're thinking about something and you think, you know, I have a really strong stance on this. This is my opinion. Maybe just take half a beat and think, why do I think that? Where does that come from? And if we all did that, I think we might be more willing to have more introspective dialogues with one another, which I think is really the only way that we move forward. I can choose... I think reasonable people can disagree on certain matters, but we have to be able to turn inwards and think about where our own beliefs are coming from.
0: Yes. Okay. And if anyone has questions after listening to this episode, please send us a message. Like we will happily continue this conversation. We are both at hello at root And if you're confused or you have additional questions or you've got just some things that maybe you want to discuss and you want an open and safe place to do so, we're here. Like, we are here to talk about this, to continue the conversation. We'll be talking about it in our communities, and our live sessions, all that stuff, because the only way that, if, when we keep things shameful and guilty and private, they just fester, whereas we just need to bring it to light, talk about it, get uncomfortable, get close, you know, like, share with each other how we're feeling. So just please know that you can reach out to us if you do have questions, and Olivia and myself will be here to support you. Thank you so much for listening to the Root and Remedy podcast. If you like this episode and you find our information helpful, then it would mean the world to us if you would leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Google, or somewhere else, just click that rating and review button and leave five stars. That allows us to continue to bring you great guests, free information in the women's health field, and get this podcast out to more people who need it. And of course, if you want to explore any of our courses, our one-on-one services, or any other resource we have you can find everything at rootandremedywellness.com